Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. John Maxwell. Take time to reflect. Many years ago, I wrote my first book, Day by Day, 180 Days of Reflective Practice for Writing Workshop. It was published by Stenhouse in 2008. This week, the Big Fresh theme highlights the importance of reflective practice. I can't escape the opportunity to reflect. Reflection allows me to stay focused on learning rather than perfection. As a recovering perfectionist, I am constantly fighting against my nature to believe there is an arrival at the best instructional practices. The truth is we are constantly learning about how children learn and developing stronger practices. Reflective practice allows for lifelong learning. Reflection keeps me honest. It is difficult to accurately determine how things are going at the moment. We can feel like failures or superheroes, but the reality is likely somewhere between these extremes. Reflective practice provides space and time to accurately discern the quality of our instructional practices. Reflection empowers growth. A principal once described a teacher as teaching the same year 27 times. Essentially, the principal was indicating that nothing had changed over the course of the teacher's career. I thought this may be impossible, but when I met with the teacher, he pulled a file folder from his cabinet. Inside were purple mimeographs, black line master copies, and transparency films. All were identical. The teacher clicked his mouse and opened a Google document that was identical to the mimeograph. He smiled and said, I'm staying current by using technology. By engaging in reflective practice, we are inspired to try new ideas and grow as educators. Let us never teach the same year over and over again. With so much information and demand circulating about literacy instruction, reflective practice allows the space to slow down and see the bigger picture. May this week's articles, courses, and videos be just what you need to take time to reflect on your practice. Ruth, I was uh, excited to see this week's collection about reflection. It just seemed like such a smart time to think about uh, reflection and we're kind of in that place where our communities are set up and we have that space to dig in deeper and to make some changes. And I think this is that time of year that we're always doing that. So I appreciated reading your lead and thinking about all the reasons it's important for us to slow down for that reflection, because it's so hard. I feel like Ruth, you might be better at this than I am, but to make sure that I always find the time, carve the time and honor the time to sit down and do that reflecting. 
Yeah, it's so true, Kathy. I like how you, um, you know, you just said that honor the time because it, we just, we live in a fast paced world. And unless we on purpose decide to spend some time reflecting, uh, it's easy to catch it, to just go away um, and, and miss those opportunities. So I'm really excited about this collection of articles. Uh, I'm excited about a couple of the free-for-alls. There's some uh, charts and some directions on how we can help kids in our classrooms reflect. And then uh, later on, there's some content that helps us in our instruction, reflect on our instruction. So I think it's a great lineup of articles this, this week. Yes, and as I read through the entire collection, I don't know, Ruth, it just kind of felt like that nice, slow breath of fresh air that is so helpful this time of year. So I look forward to chatting with you about these. So we have a free article from Tara Barnett and Kate Mills called Know and Wonder, Deepening Reflection at the Start of Text. This article was so fascinating to read. Uh, I think that, you know, she says, sometimes you need to hold on to your confusion and know that the writer will clear it up for you if you continue. And she's talking about how we can slow down that teaching of getting into new books with kids and how we have to sometimes be okay as readers and helping kids know they have to be okay as readers with not always knowing right away and trying to figure out. And she really, I don't know about you, Ruth, but she really had me kind of thinking, what do I do at the beginning of a book? As a reader who's been reading for so long, I just work my way through those first chapters. And I started wondering, like, how do I know when I need to go back and read at the beginning? And how do I know when it's okay to move on? And honestly, I'm like, okay, the next book I read, I'm going to try this out for a couple chapters, just making that two column chart and kind of thinking, what am I discovering? And what do I wonder? Because I, there has to be a difference. Yeah, it made me curious too. I love that Kate and Tara, they really trust kids and they trust that process. And this is an article, like you said, you know, that's helping us just think through how do we, how do we get kids into books? Um, There's another article by Andrea Smith that's about building a reflective community. And although this is um, an article that was first published in 2017, I think that people can read through it and follow the process for whatever books are hot in their classrooms right now. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I love seeing the examples of the books she used in this discussion with kids. And I love the way she shares how she slowed down to help kids think about how to monitor and adjust their thinking as they read and that doing it together so that then they can go out in the reading workshop and do it on their own. And she really steps us through what happened with her students. And I felt like I was right in the classroom. And so I think there's a lot to take away from this and a lot to use in having conversations with our own students in our learning communities. Then Melanie Quinn has an article, and I really love the title. It's called Keeping It Real for Students, Never Underestimate the Power of Reflection. And this is an article about Melanie is a coach, and she's working in a classroom. Uh, She's working with a classroom teacher, and the lesson doesn't quite go how the teacher wanted it to go. And so then through reflection, they were able to make some adjustments. 
at the end, Melanie writes, could that magic have happened without you bombing on the lesson and reflecting about it in front of the kids, sharing yourself as a learner? And they kind of came to this conclusion, like, no, it couldn't. And so I love, again, uh, I'm so drawn to, um, to reading about classrooms that are wholly genuine and this is a, a vulnerable article, but it can, it happens to all of us, right? Like, there's not a single teacher out there who hasn't had a lesson that didn't go quite how they wanted. And then <laughs> this process of, of just reflecting with kids um, is a powerful one. Yeah, it kind of took me back to your lead at the beginning where you said reflection allows me to stay focused on learning rather than perfection. And I started to think about all the things that I've learned across time with kids, and it's been because of kids, and they're always different. The students that we work alongside are always different. So even something that worked at a different time could really flop. And so being open to that learning, and I don't know, Ruth, Melanie's last line just shook me. I, I just have to read it right here for everyone who's listening. It's perhaps good teaching comes to us not by our brilliance, but our willingness to expose our failures and model our determination to try again. And I just thought what a powerful statement to give us permission because the work can be messy. And I always kind of in the back of my mind to think about those younger teachers who are finding their way. Um, what a great statement to just like pop in a place you can see it and remind yourself that it's those mistakes that move us forward or those things that we learn um, because they don't go quite the way we planned. (laughs) I'm really excited that Stella's new course is out. It's called Honoring Our Students' Stories, Making Intentional and Meaningful Connections with Families Throughout the Year. Uh, Stella is so authentic in her teaching. And so even, um, even if you don't have time right now, I've got when many of us have winter break coming up, I think this is a great course to jump into. But if you just have like 10 minutes beginning this course with the first uh, lesson called Greetings from Stella is something that I like you listen to Stella for a few minutes and you always walk away with something practical to use in your classroom, but also your mind is spinning with some new ideas. And this course uh, to me is really some of Stella's uh, knowledge and experiences at its best. That is really such a gift for all of us. I love any encounter I have with Stella. I always learn so much. She has so much experience working alongside kids and alongside teachers and just in her own life that I continually learn from. And so I love the idea of being able to just click into Stella's work anytime that it's convenient for me. We have a new contributor on the site. Her name is Julie Cox and she is from Kentucky. I love her style of writing and I've known her through blogging for a number of years. And I'm really excited as she's finding uh, her footing in professional writing and This week, we share an article by Julie called Grow and Innovate with Reflection. I was really struck by this article because of that connection of like, when I take time to reflect, I can then come up with new ideas. I could be more creative and more innovative. And I I love the format that Julie used for this article because it really guides us into some, some reflective practice. Yes, I enjoyed uh, as she starts talking about her son there and the things that catch his attention and how he's always 
in the world, paying attention and reflecting and how that made her think, how do I in the busy world kind of slow myself down and do that same thing? And I really liked Ruth that she takes the time to tell us how to get started. I know we talk about reflection all the time and we say we're going to do it all the time, but it is kind of nice to see it down in writing and to like for me to remind myself that, oh, I really need to be more intentional. I really always feel like I'm making the most growth when I'm being intentional about the reflection. And she gives us some suggestions for uh, writing it down and getting started and then just taking those simple steps that will help us move forward so that from reflection to action is always a useful thing to think about. So Gretchen Schrader has an article this week called The Reluctant Marathoner, um, reflecting on student engagement. And I, I really enjoyed reading this one. Yeah, I did too, Ruth. I don't know if it's because I'm trying to get my running feet back on. So that was probably the first thing. And I say that with a very, it's not a marathon kind of run, like go Gretchen. But um, I just really appreciated the way she talked about um, that reflection piece and the things that she learned and how she moved forward. So how she took that to action. And while all the things that moved her to action were helpful for me, it also reminded me how important it is to what are the other things that I've learned along the way? And I won't lie, Ruth, I don't know if you've tried this, but the anti-bucket list, she talks about writing an anti-bucket yeah, list. Yeah, I haven't I'm tried intrigued. it, but I thought that might be a good notebook, <laughs> a good thing to play around with in my notebook a little bit. The other thing that I thought was really important about this article is I felt like Gretchen was saying to me, you know, what we do is never as important as why we do it. And I think about always sitting beside teachers. And really it was the why decisions were made that always tells me so much and helps me to learn and grow. And so I just love that message that, you know, why we're doing things and why we're making, why we're making those decisions matters most. So for those who would like to engage in more of that, that why behind the work we're doing, I thought Brenda Power's article, Writing to Reflect, quotes for quick writing, reflection, and discussion is a great place to get started. It includes this download uh, where Brenda is guiding us by offering uh, a quote, and then we can write off of that. There were so many great ideas packed in here. And of course, I also, Ruth got a little trapped because when I go into the website, then there were other articles there by Brenda that had some of the same kind of work in it. And um, it was one of those moments where I had to remind myself to come back. But I love these quotes. They're already there and ready for you. But it also reminded me of a way that I could work with teachers, finding my own quotes and doing that piece. So one of my favorite things when we start a PD with teachers is to put up a few quotes that are related to what we're going to talk about and have people choose one and write to it or talk about it. And it's always such a nice, safe way to get everybody into the conversation. And so I think having these just here handy is really helpful. I was glad you brought it to our attention. We're thinking about having those deeper conversations with groups and then also having those side-by-side conversations in the Leaders Lounge, the article by Brian Seppe, 
goals are greater than nice conversations. Okay. He had me at the title. I was like, hold, like, I got to take a breath for a minute, but it was so nice to read it. I mean, he even says at the beginning, I'm still, he has the quote, if there's no goal, it's just a nice conversation, John Campbell. And he says, I'm still grappling with this quote. It hit me hard and it hit me hard too, Brian. I was just taken aback. But as I read through, what really struck me is the importance of that partnership and having some kind of goal focus going forward. So if we're both clear on what it is that we're working toward, it makes our time more efficient. It makes our conversation stronger. And he really gives some good tips for keeping that focus in the work that we do alongside our colleagues. Yeah, I was grateful for this article that Brian took the time to write it and sort it out. Like he just makes it so accessible uh, for coaches. And he speaks what I would consider some hard truth. Uh, Cause I think so often it's, it's easy or it's comfortable to move into that space of a nice conversation. And he just reminds us, you know, like our job is to move forward in practice and that takes a goal. And I, I appreciated uh, the article. I don't know that it would have been such an easy thing to write, but it definitely is uh, worthwhile reading it and something that's super applicable to those who are are in situations where they're having conversations with others to help move their practice. Yes, I think it is something too that's helpful when you think about working with teams and being a long time alongside teams because having that clear focus helps us use our time well and I think people are it's all you can do to get any kind of extra time. And so you want the time that you spend in conversation to be worthwhile and staying focused. And Brian's always so good with that clarity of his point and helping us think through how we can use this in moving forward. So I share um, another coaching minute on uh, the importance of norms. I think that this is the last one uh, in the series, but it's about being aware of your presence on the room. Um, I think this is super important that we understand that the, the spirit we bring into a room has a huge effect on other people. Um, yes, your, your words, uh, knowing when to step up and when to step back really struck me. And I had to think a little bit, you know, am I someone who needs to step up or someone who needs to step back? And I guess there are times for both. And Ruth, sometimes when I read something someone's written or I listen to a video like this, I really just want to know the story. And I'm not going to lie. I have to wonder a little bit about what story gave you this idea or, um, you know, what got you to thinking about this? To this norm. Um, So the norm is know when to step up and when to step back. And uh, when we first started, I work with a, a professional development consortium of schools. So there's about 30 schools. And a big part of that are coaches come together. And so we meet regularly. And I wanted us to be really clear about the norms for our meetings, because I think it's something that is talked about enough that everybody feels like they know, but it wasn't something that I felt like we had put into action. And so what happened is we discussed uh, what would make, uh, what would make our meetings. I asked them what would make our meetings uh, meaningful 
and joyful. Uh, so that was the vision for the meetings, what would make them meaningful and joyful. And they began giving the norms. And so um, Jules, Julianne Hauser offered the no when to step up and step back norm. And of course, everybody like loved it. Uh, but what happens is that it it's like we're talking about reflection, right? Like that norm right there is a highly reflective norm. Cause like you said, um, it takes like, what, when do I need to step up? When do I need to step back? And that can change throughout a meeting even, uh, and just being aware of our presence is, is essential, I think. And so that's one I know a lot of people have kind of swiped and they, they use that now in their professional development in their schools, because it makes a huge difference. Like if people, if the participants don't know when to step up or when to step back, like even the best laid plans for PD can, can go awry. And so I, I think it's just a powerful norm. I think so as well. Thank you for sharing that story. I sometimes just get a little curious about these things. I, I think you're talking about that joy piece here and how we keep that in the meetings. But um, when I read on into Stephanie Affinito's article, Coaching High Fives, let's talk about joy. Uh, also just love this. Uh, she was talking about reflecting as a leader about giving people high fives. And she gives some great ideas there for things that are similar to high fives, just reaching out to people and saying, you know, I've got you, I'm with you, great job, but bringing that joy to the work. And um, it really made me think about too, when I'm working with groups, like who are the people taking some time to reflect, who are the people that really might need a high five right now and being intentional about finding those people and bringing some of the joy. And uh, I appreciated her suggestions for just some little ways to bring a little sunshine to the days. I did too. I'm you know, it's, it's serious work, right. That we're doing, helping kids, um, learn and grow, but yet we can have joy and it can even be fun. So I really was excited about bringing this article back as an encore article for, for the leaders lounge, because it's so simple. And I just, I want us to remember how even simple things make such a huge difference and they matter a lot. So uh, this is something you don't have to go out and get anything for. You don't have to make any copies. You don't have to read anything like you, you have everything you need to put this in action and it'll make a huge difference uh, in your school here at the, as we're, we're wrapping up December, wrapping up December, rolling into December. It's all kind of one. I think December goes so fast in schools. It really does. And this is such a great place to think about these things. I really hope Ruth, that everybody who takes some time to read through the big fresh collection for this week will also take some time to be intentional about planning that reflection and finding those places in their days or their weeks where they can honor some time to do just this. I, I really think this is such a good time where people really need that ability. So my hope would also be that leaders would find ways to help carve that time for the people that they're working alongside every day. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. 
With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.